Welcome to Off the Clock, a podcast by Percino Wells and Woodland, where we take a team-centered, family-focused approach to serving the estate planning and elder law needs of our community on the Eastern Shore. I'm Michelle Persino Wells, one of the attorneys at PWW Law, and I'm joined today by another one of our attorneys, Leslie DiPietro. We're excited to talk today about what it means to have a well-rounded estate plan. So let's get started. Sounds good. So Leslie, thanks for joining me today. Um, I think the best place to start is really, what does it mean? You know, estate planning, that term is used a lot. You know, what does estate planning mean and what's it mean to have a well-rounded estate plan? Yeah. So just to make it simple, right? Estate planning at its most basic concept really should answer two questions. Who's going to take care of me if I become incapacitated at some point during my lifetime? And who's going to take care of my loved ones when I pass away? It's really that simple. But of course, there's a lot more to it, right? There's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. So when we talk about having a thorough, up-to-date estate plan, you really want to make sure that your plan addresses those two issues. So incapacity planning or planning during lifetime, and then also dealing with end-of-life planning. Um, The other thing about a thorough estate plan is you want to have all the information. So we never meet with a client and create an estate plan if we don't have background information. We need to know their asset information. We need to know about their families um, because we need to counsel them through that decision-making process and make sure that their plan is complete and it's going to do what what they want it to do. And That makes me think about what you just talked about, all the information that we need to gather in order to create that thorough, well-rounded plan. And it makes me think about homemade estate planning and how we see, you know, we see that come up. We see it in some of the estate and trust administration that we do. People have created their own estate planning documents. So kind of compare and contrast that, you know, what, what, what are the pitfalls with homemade estate planning when you, when you talk about a well-rounded estate plan? Yeah, absolutely. So homemade estate planning can be a number of things, and it's usually best of intentions, right? But homemade estate planning might be, I decided to draft my own plan on a piece of paper. We've seen everything in our administration practice. It might mean that you've gone to, um, you know, online and printed something offline. Or it might mean somebody at the local bank told you that you should try to avoid probate. So you've added joint owners to all your assets, or you've overused beneficiary designations because you're trying to avoid probate. When we talk about homemade estate plan, generally what we're saying is if you don't know, right, if you're not familiar, you don't have the experience with that area of the law, you know, you have blind spots and you can't address those things within within a plan if you don't have the right counsel, you don't have guidance on making those decisions. Right. And I think you just hit the nail on the head as far as having that counsel. Um, you know, I know something that that gives me great pride is the the consultations that we have with our clients. And that's the thing that I enjoy the most about our practice is that we ask a lot of questions. Uh, we try to be good listeners. Um, the, the So, so t- you tell me kind of your take on that as far as the difference between just creating documents versus really counseling and educating our clients. Yeah, absolutely. I have never once had a client thank me for a pretty stack of documents, (laughs) right? The clients thank us because they came in 
thinking that they had this objective. Mm -hmm. And then through meeting with us and our team, they understand the planning they should employ, right? Then we've created this plan, uh, walking through decisions with them, getting to know them, getting to know their families a little bit so that we can really create a plan that's going to work. And ultimately making sure they understand the documents. Our documents are as legal technical as they come because they have to be. But I think that everyone on our team really has uh, this just personal skill of being able to make it understandable, right? We never want our client to leave our conference room table and say, I have no idea what they were talking about. And so it's really important for us to, to talk with clients in a relatable way every single day. Absolutely. So in terms of this concept of a well-rounded plan, uh, you know, I know we often talk about planning in terms of lifetime planning and end of life planning. So lifetime planning that includes, you know, powers of attorney, you know, so you have an agent named that can make legal and financial kinds of decisions or advanced healthcare directives that allow people to make, um, you know, put some, some decisions in writing in advance related to healthcare decision-making. So you want to talk a little bit more about those? Yeah, absolutely. So that really is answering that first component, that first question with respect to estate planning, who's going to take care of me? So when it comes to that, uh, the law really separates those decisions out and says, we need to appoint somebody to make legal and financial type decisions. That's the durable power power of attorney. And then we need to separately appoint medical decision makers and under the advanced health care directive. So just to dig a little deeper on the power of attorney, really important, obviously, that you're appointing a person or people who you trust. And when we say people that you trust, at the end of the day, I want you to pick someone who's going to put your interest above their own personal interest. That is the level of trust that we want. Um, When you're appointing agents, we always tell clients we need to think about having multiple agents, right? So you can name one agent at a time successively. um, And in that way, if something happens to your first person, you have a backup person. Um, You can name people at the same time. So we could name them concurrently, meaning they can make decisions together, but either one can take action on your behalf We can name them jointly and they have to act together, right? So we have those decisions, but ultimately we want a trusted decision maker appointed as the agent. And then the next thing to kind of think about is what authority do we want to give your agent? And in our practice, we have implemented a lot of powers of attorney. And I think that makes us different than some other estate planning attorneys that we know the practical and legal considerations because we're helping clients when their loved one has become incapacitated. So incredibly important that that power of attorney is thorough. It gives that agent every possible authority they might need to protect you if you become incapacitated in the future. And then another point of consideration is when should the power of attorney be effective? And nine times out of 10, it makes the most sense to make that power of attorney effective right away at the time of signing so that I don't have to be deemed incapacitated by a doctor if I'm simply unavailable. I'm in the hospital and I'm not able to get out and take care of my financial affairs. My agent can take immediate action without going through any kind of red tape. 
Yeah, really important planning to have in place. And how about the the advanced directive for healthcare or advanced healthcare directive? They're they're called different things in different states. But just kind of, if you would, just maybe summarize the the sections, the different sections that are typically part of that document. Yep. So that document really has three three sections to it. One, you appoint your medical decision maker. Only if you're incapacitated will that medical decision maker step into your shoes and direct your medical professionals about what you'll have done. Um, there's also an important component. Sometimes we refer to it as a living will. So we're stating our end of life wishes. If we qualify in certain conditions and we're at the end of our life, do we want life sustaining treatment or do we want to decline it? And that just gives really good guidance to not only your agent, your decision maker, but also your medical professionals. They're going to need to rely on that information. And then finally, if you're an organ donor and you want to specify um, how you might want to make that donation, you can get pretty detailed in that healthcare directive. And there's there's options to select in that document. But power of attorney and healthcare directive, they're just two sides of the same coin. And so when I refer to those as lifetime planning documents, you know, they it's it's always important, I think, to point out that those only are in effect while a person's living. You know, they right. they essentially pass away with a person. Um, it, you know, when a person passes, you know, typically then whoever's named as executor in their will or trustee of their trust is going to take over. Oftentimes, it's all the same person. But it's something really important to understand, especially with powers of attorney. So that if a person has been acting as power of attorney uh, while their loved one is living, they have to understand that that authority terminates at death. Um, and so if there is someone else named as executor, you know, really important that they're not still trying to conduct business with the bank account or take any other kind of actions. And so that leads me then to sort of that end of life planning um, where we're looking at wills or trusts. Do you want to just sort of elaborate on that a little? Yeah. So a will quite simply is a document where you're going to state who you want to be in charge of administering your estate. We call that person the personal representative or the executor. And it's also going to direct where you want your assets to go. So if you don't have a will, there's a default law called the intestate statute, right? And so if you don't have it spelled out in your will document, um, the, the code or the statute's going to direct those two decisions for you. But if you've created a will, essentially what you've given is a roadmap or instructions for how your estate is going to be pro And so probate is just a process that occurs within the Register of Wills office locally. Um, And we have a whole podcast where we're going to talk about probate and drill down uh, pretty deeply. But a will just gives that instruction. We have a lot of clients who are looking to avoid probate. They want to reduce the time, the paperwork, the expense, and just make things as easy for their family as they possibly can. So they might employ a revocable living trust as part of our plan. Um, The revocable trust allows them to serve as trustee initially. They can name backup trustees. So same idea as that trust decision maker under your will or your power of attorney. Those are oftentimes the people that we're appointing as successor trustees. Um, The will also says during my lifetime, all those assets are used for my benefit and I have complete access and control. But when I pass away, here's how I want those assets to go. So it overlaps with the will to some extent that it gives that instruction, but it, it does it entirely outside of the context of probate. Um, you mentioned some other trusts, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, so definitely the um, 
the uh, supplemental needs trust or a special needs trust is something that still is pretty basic planning for families that need that type of planning. Um, you know, those trusts are really intended if there is a, an intended beneficiary who perhaps is receiving uh, need-based government benefits, or there's a, 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 a wish to preserve potential future eligibility for those kinds of benefits. So really important planning. Um, you know, years ago, people would just disinherit their disabled beneficiaries. You know, if they had a disabled child and they'd say, oh, well, the other kids will, you know, provide for my disabled child. Really not, you know, um, not considered best planning. Um, so those types of trusts and retirement account trusts also for folks that have large retirement accounts and want to put some structure around how those types of assets will be inherited upon their deaths, um, trying to get the best tax consequences or the best protection from creditors or divorce or whatever it might be. So that this concept of a well-rounded estate plan isn't going to be a one-size-fits-all for, for every person. It's really going to depend on you know, what that person's needs are. And so that's why in our office, our very first meeting is all about, you know, looking at a person's goals, making sure that they get educated on what their um, planning options are, and that we really do the right type of planning and that we're, you know, not just trying to fit them into a cookie cutter plan. Um, other part of a well-rounded estate plan is certainly what we call asset alignment, um, which we have unfortunately seen way too often gets missed. Um, for from more of that cookie cookie cutter or the homemade estate planning. So tell us about asset alignment, what that is, what that means, and why it's so important. Yeah. So when you create your estate plan, we want to make sure that it works when it needs to work. And hopefully it doesn't need to work the day you sign it because it's going to be a long time before you suffer some disability or you pass away. Um, so with respect to asset alignment, initially we want to make sure that your assets are titled or beneficiary designations are updated so that the trust does the work it's supposed to do if you have a trust-based plan. So that means deeding the real property into the trust whether it's in the state where you live or any other state where you might have property, making sure bank accounts are retitled into the name of the trust, using that trust as a beneficiary for something like life insurance. Um, and then there's other times where we don't want to rely on the trust to do the work, right? With re respect to retirement accounts, there's a lot of times for income tax purposes where we want to name people and not trusts. And so when we do that, we want to make sure that we're naming people consistently as beneficiaries beneficiaries as that which is reflected in the trust document. So asset alignment is really just about making sure that all of those pieces are going to work together so that the plan works the way it's supposed to work. It's so incredibly important. And you're right. There's a lot of times where that's not even part of the conversation with other firms. Right. And so speaking of assets, it makes me think of yet one more section or, or kind of component of well-rounded estate planning, and that's asset protection planning, um, something that, you know, our firm has really put an emphasis on the last, gosh, 10 years, I guess, at this point. Um, but looking at, you know, helping families shelter assets from the costs of long-term care. Um, you want to talk just sort of, you know, briefly about the different levels of that kind of planning? 
I'd be happy to. So uh, when we have a client who is healthy and is trying to be proactive, thinking about the possibility that they or they, their spouse might need long-term care at some point in the future, there's planning that we discuss as just a component of estate planning. So um, a lot of times it's our healthy senior clients that we're having these conversations with. Um, and so we might incorporate something called an irrevocable asset protection trust as a piece of that plan. And the whole idea is that we're looking to shelter some of the assets in the event we have a long-term care uh, circumstance in the future. Um, Medicaid in particular and VA too both have a look-back rule. Medicaid it's five years, VA it's three years. And so we want to be proactive because we want to make those transfers um, in advance of that look-back period. At the same time, we have clients who come to us every day and they didn't have the foresight or they didn't know the, they didn't have the knowledge five years in advance to do some proactive planning. And so they might be looking at some intermediate planning or some crisis planning. I'm in need of care right now, or my mom or dad are in need of care right now. And I think the, the best thing about us is that we're able to meet families wherever they are and help them through that process and shelter assets as best we can, and at the same time, make sure that that loved one who needs care is absolutely going to get the care that they need. Absolutely. And and be able to protect as much of their assets as possible, because that's why so many people put off getting care for their loved ones, because they're afraid of paying for it. And so, again, part of a well-rounded estate plan is making sure that you're covering all of those bases. And what all of that really boils down to for us and why we take, you know, great effort at determining what a client's goals are and making sure that we're having a thorough conversation with them um, to determine is, you know, long-term care planning something that they're interested in or something that they've had experience with or that they're worried about. So well-rounded estate plan, you know, really important, you know, and I'll, I'll pat ourselves on the back a little here. You know, it's what we do, you know, it's what we do. Um, and, you know, I've had clients come to me and say, well, gosh, why didn't my last attorney talk to me about, you know, planning for my retirement account or talk to me about planning, you know, for possible asset protection if I need long-term care? And chances are it's because that attorney also could have done their divorce (laughs) and also would have done their real estate settlement and perhaps their bankruptcy and helped their child that got the DUI or whatever. And so it's really important with this concept of well-rounded estate plan to make sure that you're working with the right attorney and getting the right counsel and that it's an understanding that it's not just about that stack of documents. Right. So I think that'll do it for us for today. So thank you for joining me, Leslie. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for being with us today on Off the Clock. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at pwlaw.com. Of course, you can always contact us directly by calling 302-628-4140 or emailing info at pwlaw.com. We're here to help you plan today to protect your families tomorrow. See you next time. Anything discussed on Off the Clock is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship. To obtain the most reliable guidance, listeners are encouraged to seek personalized advice from qualified professionals.